Hey everybody, welcome back to the Living With Power Hope Podcast. My name is Lena Abijamra and I'm your host. And we are doing a tremendous series called Dear Lena. <laughs> it's not a series, it's basically uh, what we do here on the podcast with uh, uh, some alternating interviews and such. But right now, this semester, we've just been working on the Dear Lenas, trying to, to get your questions answered. A lot of questions, aren't there, about life, faith, culture, and everything in between. I run a ministry called Living with Power Ministries, and I just love God. I love His Word, and I tend to write about Him as much as I can. And so that's what we do here. So I hope you found us uh, because you are looking for a faith-based podcast, and uh, I believe you'll find it. Uh, if you have a question for me, for dear Lena, why don't you just shoot me the question? It can be about faith, life, culture, or anything in between. And so, uh, we've you could look at our past podcast uh, titles and see the type of things that we talk about here. Right now, we've got. Uh, a lot of controversy, but also some routine bread and butter type questions, which is another uh, type of uh, podcast that we're going to do today. So I, I'm looking forward to today's uh, talk. Uh, I always uh, breathe a sigh of relief when it's not a big controversial topic, but whether you love controversy or not, uh, we really want us to think biblically about all of the things that pertain to life and godliness. And so I hope you find that here. Anyway, with that in mind, check out livingwithpower.org. It's my website and we've got all sorts of resources there for you. And remember, you can send me an email at dearlena at livingwithpower.org. All right, here's today's question. Dear Lena, why do I always feel like God is unhappy with me when bad things happen in my life? Why do I feel like God's mad at me or unhappy with me when bad things happen in my life? Man, that's an honest question. Isn't it true? Uh, you'll be walking in life and everything's going great. And when you get good news, you feel like God's favors on you. And when you get bad news, you think, man, what did I do? Is my sin catching up with me? Is there something I did that God's mad at? Is he trying to get my attention? And, and maybe he is. There's certainly times that he might be. But I want us to think um, biblically about this idea of God's favor. Uh, I love, uh, in fact, I try to pray number six. I've got a sign I bought at Kirkland's that has numbers six on it uh, versus, here, let me, Pull it up, verses 24 through 26. This is a famous prayer in the Old Testament. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And uh, the Lord make his favor shine upon you and make his face to shine upon you. Uh, we all want God's favor. There's something very comforting about reading that prayer and having it prayed over you. So what is God's favor? And, and why are we all so caught up with uh, good news means God is happy with me. Bad news means God's mad at me. Because that is not a biblical um, philosophy. In fact, if that were true, uh, Jesus it wouldn't make sense. Because uh, remember, Jesus went to the cross for our sakes. In fact, Jesus prayed the prayer in Gethsemane. God, uh, let this cup pass over me. But if not, but but um, uh, not my will, but yours be done. It was prayer of surrender. And indeed, the cup did not pass. He did go to the cross. He was crucified for sin that he didn't commit. And uh, it was all according to God's will. Jesus is not the only one. He's our prime example of someone who endured difficulty. And so you, he could have thought, well, God's mad at me. God's not delivering me from death. But he's not the only one, by the way. There's so many examples of it. Uh, Joseph, which is the Old Testament sort of as close a predictor of Jesus, meaning like when you look at a lot of the illustrations in the Old Testament, they're meant to point to Jesus. Well, Joseph's life, Joseph, the guy with the robe with multicolors, I mean, he's the closest, you know, prophetic sort of pointing towards Jesus of any person in the Old Testament. And uh, this guy did nothing wrong. And he was stripped of his coat and thrown in a pit and, and later ended up with uh, in Egypt serving Potiphar and then ended up being punished despite 
being very faithful and obedient and then was wrongly accused of raping the wife of his boss and gets thrown in prison. And it's a crazy story. And in Genesis 39, like he gets thrown in prison and the entire chapter 39, if you want to be encouraged, you go into Genesis chapter 39 and you'll see repeated in that chapter over and over again about God, the Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success. Even in Potiphar's house and then later in prison, we see this theme of God's favor on Joseph's life, even though he spends so many years in prison for things he did not deserve. And so for imagine Joseph like or Jesus or or many of the others, Peter, Paul, I mean any of the disciples you can point to and say, man, if they were associating God's favor with success, well from a human perspective, it did not look like they were succeeding. So why? Why are so many of us, even though we recognize that, I'm telling you, as soon as bad things happen to my life, first thing I think is like, what did I do wrong? It's like being called into the principal's office and um there's a lot of verses that we can point to for this, but I think just sort of keeping those examples of people uh, in that I just uh, uh, mentioned, sort of like let's keep those things in, in our, the forefront of our mind. But let me let me give you three thoughts on God's favor. Uh, to associate God's favor only with the good things in my life is a form of prosperity gospel that must be rooted out of our thinking. Let, let me say that again. To associate God's favor only with the good things in my life is a form of prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is this idea that like God is going to bless me if I believe in him. Uh, God is going to make good things happen in my life if I live a godly life. And so it sort of hinges, it looks to God for good things. And while God gives good things, he doesn't give them based on how good I am. He gives them something because of how good he is. And so um, just a few thoughts here about when I, when I think about God's favor, by the way, what we're talking about what biblically is it's his grace. And so grace is undeserved favor, right? This is a long standing definition of, of, of grace is undeserved favor. And so when we think about God giving us grace, something we don't deserve, the, the first mistake many of us do is think, oh, well, grace is, he gives me something I don't deserve. When really grace is not a thing. Grace is God himself. Grace is actually God um, giving us what we don't deserve. It's not the things he gives us, but his mercy and favor when we don't deserve it. That is salvation. I mean, that is Jesus dying on the cross, giving us life, even though we don't deserve it. So when Hebrews 4 talks about, since we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15 says, or let's, let's move to verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That throne of grace means the throne of God. That's Christ sitting at the right hand of God, so when we talk about grace, we're talking about God giving us himself. We're not looking to God to give us things. Okay, right there, right there, catch yourself. So many of us are hinge our relationship with God on, okay, I asked God for something and he gave it. He's so good, right? Asked and he didn't. Oh, I'm so bad. When God gives you himself, remember Psalm 23, the famous Psalm, Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And then the last couple of verses, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So he's walking through the valley of shadow of death. God doesn't get you out of the valley of, of that valley. He helps you walk through it, but he walks with you. It's his presence. That's his grace. It's himself. And so to associate God's favor only with good things in my life, that's prosperity gospel that comes to God and says, God, I've been good. Now I expect you to be good. Or God, I believe you. Now, based on the amount of faith, we'll get into that faith understanding in a second. But basically that idea is prosperity driven. 
It's like the old, you know, with the purity culture, when you say, okay, God, I haven't, you know, had sex with anybody before marriage, therefore God owes me a godly man to marry. And so the purity culture sort of taught that. Like, if you're pure, God's gonna, you're going to have a great sex life in marriage, you're going to find the man of your dreams. But that backfired because, A, it's not biblical. B, like these people were like carrying their own part. And by the way, nobody did that perfectly because we all have a thought life that wasn't pure. But nonetheless, say somebody, you know, lived through that prosperity movement or that purity movement and said, okay, I've been so good. And then they didn't get married. They're so mad at God because God, I did my part. How come you didn't do yours? Or they got married and then their sex life stunk for a number of reasons. And then they're like, I don't get it. Why did this work out this way? So the purity culture is a form of prosperity culture, but we do it in all sorts of things. We do it in our finances. We go, oh God, I've given you sacrificially. Now I'm looking to God to replenish my bank account. And and that is not biblical thinking. To associate God's favor only with the good things in my life is a form of prosperity gospel that must be rooted out of our thinking. That doesn't mean God doesn't give us good things. In fact, there's a verse in Matthew uh, 5, 45. Jesus says that the sun shines on the evil and the good. God gives good things to all people, the good and the bad. He gave, I mean, I, I know this is a crazy notion, but like he gave good things to, 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 to like, like, like think about the sun and sunsets and sunrises. Those are good things. And he gave them to, to, to Hitler, right? That doesn't mean he approved of Hitler. That doesn't mean, but, but I'm just saying like, you could be the worst person in the world and God has still given you the normal favor and grace of living in a world that is beautiful. Again, um, that's, not, that's not the highest offering that God gives us. The highest offering is himself. And so you can get all the sunrises in the world. You can get all the checkbooks, you know, checks written to you in the world. That doesn't equate goodness. Goodness is God's favor, giving you forgiveness where you don't deserve it, giving you love where you don't feel it, giving you mercy when you deserve to be punished. And so God's perception of what's good for me is not always the same as mine. And God's perception of what's good for me is based on him seeing the full story. Furthermore, God's perception of what's good for me invites me to deepen my trust in him. And so this idea of what is goodness, what is grace, we've got to rethink them. And and when we come to God expecting him to give us tangible things that would indicate his goodness, that is not biblical. So uh, uh, here's another verse I love a lot in, in 2 Corinthians. This is a verse, the whole chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians is about cheerful giving. And it says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Well, our knee-jerk response is to apply this financially. Go, well, if I give a little, I'm not going to get a lot. But if I give a lot, I'll get a lot. But that's not what it means. He says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then it says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The conclusion of that verse, if you read that and think that means I'm going to be rich, then you are embracing a form of prosperity gospel that is not biblically driven and is not after the heart of God. God will give you all grace to abound for all things. You will have all sufficiency, but that doesn't mean you're going to be financially rich. You might be or you might not be. But God's goodness is apart from those things. It's himself, all right? This is critical to understand. And so... Here's the second big idea. To associate God's favor only with the good things in my life is to misunderstand God's character. God is good, period. His goodness is his character. He, he, he loves. God is love. He is love. He, he doesn't just love as an act. He is love. And so when we start thinking of, oh, when he gives me good things, he's being loving to me, we're missing his character. He, he, God's goodness is steadfast in every season of my life. God's goodness was steadfast to Job on the night that he heard that his whole 
farm or whatever, his house and his kids got killed. God was still perfectly good. God's promises, not just his goodness, his promises are true in every season of my life. You might be going, when I'm, when I, I'm, I'm in a dark season right now and I'm not sure about God's promises. Just wait. Just wait and interpret them biblically. God's promises are about himself. God's purposes for me are secure no matter the season I'm in. So we've got to get back to a correct understanding of God's character. And uh, the best way to do it is, is, this is, by the way, the means of grace. When you think about the means of grace, the means of knowing God, the biggest ways that we think of, of understanding the means of grace are through preaching and the sacraments. And preaching comes in a variety of ways. I'm not preaching to you right now. We're doing teaching. But, but that's why we go to church. That's why we review the gospel. That's why we have podcasts about God and we write about God and we talk about God. And this preaching, the review of the gospel is a means of grace, but also the sacraments where you eat the, the, the bread and, and, and drink the wine and you remember in that moment what God's favor is, which is the death of Jesus, the giving us body for you so that he took your sins and you got his righteousness. So those are the means of grace. So this here is a means of us remembering. And when we think about what is, who is God? Well, you get into the word of God and you read about his character and you don't judge him based on what you think God is, but based on who he has said he is. By the way, I've written about that in my book, Fractured Faith. In uh, the first couple of chapters, I talk about that. So many of us are disappointed in the Christian life because we come to God hoping for what we have made him to be as opposed to who he is. And if you know who he is, and if you rest on what he's promised, you're never going to be disappointed because you can't be disappointed with a God who is all good all the time and whose promises never fail and who's given you all of himself. And so why do I always feel unhappy when bad things happen in my life? Well, you might be believing a prosperity gospel. You might be misunderstanding God's character. And lastly, to associate God's favor only with the good things in my life is too often propagated by other Christians. Can I, can I just say that here for a minute? We are the problem. Listen, pastors of biblical churches have sometimes given the wrong idea, inadvertently or in their preaching. Sometimes it's in their lifestyle. Sometimes it's in their word. We've, uh, it doesn't have to be a pastor. It can be your friends. Like you can get together. I see this on Facebook all the time. It's a best pet peeve of mine. Someone will be like, oh, I just got a raise. Or, I, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I just got promoted, whatever. And then they're in parentheses, God is good or I'm blessed. And we, and, and yeah, you're blessed. But you know what? Even if you don't get the raise, you're blessed. And even if you get demoted, you're blessed. You're blessed because you got God with you all the time. You go, man, man, that's not, that doesn't even make sense. Maybe you're, you're wrestling with that right now. And you go, how's that blessed? Listen, Paul was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians. It said the whole book is, the letter is on joy. And, and he literally was like, I am so happy in Christ right now. And so in the same way, we need to learn to understand and to preach that to our, each other when you're with your friends. You don't go, oh my gosh, you got married. Praise God. Your God is still good. Yes, praise God. But God is good even if you remain single the rest of your life. God is good even if your child doesn't heal from the disease that you're praying for. God is good. And so let's not propagate this nonsense that makes us feel like, man, I must not measure up if all these people who are following God are getting blessed because they're living for God and doors are opening before them. And here I am, I'm sitting in my little hole with darkness all the time. Listen, we've got to shed the light of God's love on our hearts. That's where we find freedom. And we've got to teach ourselves and repeat those things to each other. We've been discipled by a generation of Christians who have taught us to praise God when good things happen and are too silent when bad things happen. 
It's not that we, you know, it's not that they don't believe that God is good when bad things happen. It's that we don't practice enough God's goodness when bad things happen. I have a friend right now whose son was born with a heart defect and I follow him on Instagram and on Facebook and he, 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 they didn't know till later in the pregnancy, not that it would have made a difference. And so the baby was born, they took him for surgery and I've watched the journey. And by the time this airs, I don't even know if the child will be alive, but I've seen God's grace magnified through this couple as this, my friend Nathan has posted about where they're at and what's happening. And I know from a doctor's perspective, I've heard the story of the kid and I think, oh my gosh, it's going so badly. And yet the words that come out of their mouths are words of God's goodness in a time of darkness. And I listen to them and I think, oh my word, this is true biblical Christianity. So to associate God's favor only with the good things in my life is too often propagated by other Christians. We need to Declare God's goodness, not just when good things happen, hashtag I'm blessed, but all the time and even more loudly when difficult things are happening in our life. We've been guilty also of idolizing Christians because good things have happened to them instead of seeing value in the lives of those who are suffering well for Jesus. I'm going to say that again. We have, as a generation, as a culture right now, have been guilty of idolizing other Christians because good things seem to be happening in their lives. They sell a lot of books, they build big churches, they make a lot of money. We idolize them. We go, man, they're incredible. They must be doing something right. Instead of seeing value in the lives of those who are suffering well for Jesus. And uh, some of the greatest examples of Christians, I've told you guys before, I'm obsessed with these Christian biographies. They're fifth grade level. I don't even care. I'll tell you, I'll post which one. I posted the series a while back on my Instagram. I'll post it again. These biographies are easy to read. I go through each one. Every couple of days I read one. They have blessed my life. But I'm telling you guys, if we were to, these people today, we'd be like, I don't want to be that. I want to be the picture of a success. And yet they are the ones who are successful in the eyes of God. And so we've got to turn, go back to the upside down gospel. The gospel is the least will be first and the last first will be last. Jesus became a servant to model to us what it looks like. To, to honor God and to honor one another. And so instead of, 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 of looking at God's goodness as the gifts he gives us, let us start looking at God's goodness as who he is. And the minute we learn this lesson, listen, we will be happy Christians. And so I want that in my life. I hope you do too. And if you're finding yourself wrestling with your joy, uh, perhaps you need to recalibrate uh, what you see as God's favor in your life. So with that in mind, let me end this podcast today. If you want to come on um, to our Facebook Lives every Thursday night at 7 p.m., I teach live on Facebook. You can find out about it at livingwithpower.org slash community. If you want to check out my new book, it's not that new anymore, but it's called Fractured Faith. Hey, you can get it on Amazon. Just go on, put my name in there. And otherwise, let people know about this podcast and come back and join us next week. We'll be here uh, and uh, we'll pray for you. And so if you want to ask me any question about faith, life, and culture, do it at dearlena at livingwithpower.org. All right, be blessed. Hashtag be blessed today. But let's be blessed with God's presence in our life and not just in the things that we want him to do for us. All right, have a good day.